going on, everybody? It's Michael Millerman here again, Millerman Talks. So I wanted to take a chance to share something with you that you might find interesting. I'm going to be mentioning a company and they sell a service. They sell a course that you can take. I'm not working for them. I'm not shilling for them. I'm not even telling you to do their course. I just want to talk to you about it for a minute because it's pretty interesting. The founder of these programs was deeply influenced by Martin Heidegger. And I read in a transcript of one of his early courses. So the company's called Landmark Education. I think maybe they're now called Landmark Worldwide. I'm not sure. And their founder is Werner Erhard. I think they used to be called EST or EST, like the Latin it is, EST, I guess. And he used to run these landmark forums back in the day, differently from the way that they're run now. There's a book that was published in the last year or so called Speaking Being, which is a transcript of one of the landmark forums that Erhard ran. And it's written by some Heidegger scholars who from time to time interrupt the transcript or they inset their commentary and show how what he's doing with the participants, what he's talking about, what he's getting them to experience for themselves and what he's getting them to understand is taken from Heidegger, sometimes from being in time, sometimes from another work. One of the things that Heidegger says, and you may know this from my previous videos, you may know it from the other things that you just know about Heidegger or have heard about him. One of the things he says is that we shouldn't think of the human being as subject, as a subject, because the interpretation of the human being as a subject is already a metaphysical constraint on what can be, let's say, it, it already constrains the more genuine nature of our existence. The definition of the human being as a subject already blocks access to a more genuine encounter with who we are. So do the definitions of the human being as an individual or really as, um, as anything else. All of those interpretations, he says, are drawn from a conceptuality, a set of concepts that developed in uprootedness from or alienation from our true nature, our true ground. And so when we understand ourselves in terms of those concepts, we're blocking genuine access to ourselves. So in Being in Time, he proposes that we understand the human being as Dasein. And just let me just say a quick word about that. I did a longer video about it off the cuff not long ago, but let me just say a word about it here. Roughly in German, das sign is like das before Heidegger. Das, that, sign, something is. Okay, so sor sort of das sign was like the that it is of something, its existence. The das sign of, uh, of an animal, the das sign of something else, the that it is of something. Well, Heidegger treated it differently from a different perspective, let's say, he disclosed the deeper meaning to the word and to the self-understanding of the human being. And in him, da is like the, the space that we are, not the space that we're in, because for Heidegger, we're not the kind of being that's in a space, like a marble is in a jar. We are a space. We're a space where beings can be for us. Like, just look at where you are, look around you. You're, you experience yourself as in a space, but Heidegger says that you are together yourself and that space, yourself and the world, the world meaning the surrounding world for you, the space that's cleared around you where beings are for you. And he, he understands that as the composite being in the world, hyphenated in der Weltsein, English being in the world. That's who you are. You're never a worldless subject 
that somehow enters into a world and then has to represent it or has to build bridges, epistemological bridges to get to it. You're always this coherent um, being in the world as a specific mode of existing. So it's not the individual, it's not the subject. Those are modifications or interpretations or modes of the more fundamental being of being in the world. And what he says in Being in Time is that the way that you, as being in the world, or you as Dasein, exists, he says, instead of saying Dasein, I'm going to say you, so that you don't have it like a concept, but you have it like you. He says, you exist as the possibilities that you are. That's what Heidegger writes in Being in Time. You are your possibilities of being. So possibility is a, a specific word in Heidegger. It doesn't mean something that might happen, like it's possible that tomorrow it will rain, or it's possible that it won't. Possible means ways of being. He calls those possibilities, the ways of being. So for example, the possibility of being free. That doesn't mean being free one day. It means now being free. Now being the possibility of being free. It takes a little bit of time to wrap your head around. It takes a little bit of time to grasp that and to get it. But that's the terminology that he uses in being in time. Who you are is possibilities of being. Now there's more to it than that. I'm doing a course on being in time. I'll have more courses on that before too long. Michael Millerman dossier, if you'd like more information or you'd like to register. So there's more in being in time than that. But this particular point that who you are is your possibilities is something that's developed without, the, without Heidegger, without reading Being in Time. Uh, it's developed on the ground, in the arena, in practice, quite effectively in the Landmark Forum. People learn to get very clear about the fact that they're not what they think they are at the moment. They're not the stories that they tell about themselves. They're not, they're not um, their past projected into the future and all of these kinds of things. But the goal of the Landmark Forum, by the end, it's like three days, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and a Tuesday evening. And by the end, by the Sunday evening, people are getting present to the fact that who they are is a possibility. And they learn the language because it's a specific way of speaking and self-understanding. Now, if you go out into the world, like if I were to go out to my next door neighbor and start talking about Heidegger's being in time, it would be like I'm speaking a foreign language to them. Not just because they're not English speakers, but because Heidegger is like a foreign language even to an English speaker or a German speaker. Well, it's the same in the landmark form. You develop a sort of technical vocabulary that gives you access to a deeper self-understanding. And in the context of those three days and an evening, it makes sense for the people who are there. And then sometimes they go out into the world and they use that jargon in a way that's not clear to other people. But what happens in that time is that people do begin to understand themselves or at least begin to explore themselves um, as Dasein, as being in the world. Therefore, in terms of the possibilities that they are, it's quite fascinating. So it's not about what you can know or additional information that you can store. It's about the difference that these, uh, they don't call them concepts, they call them distinctions, difference that these distinctions make in your life. So I'm pretty good at the academic side of things. I can write well, I can read a lot, I can remember, I write tests, I'm good at taking them. I had good grades, I won scholarships and all of that. But that doesn't guarantee you a good life. It doesn't guarantee that you experience yourself as having your life together. For example, you could do very well on a test and hate your parents. You could do very well on a test and be hated by your spouse. 
you can have read many, many good books and be in a very horrible situation from the point of view of your career and face whatever obstacles you face in all of the domains that constitute a full human life. So one of the great things about the course, and again, I'm not selling you the course. I'm telling you about it. You may want to take it after I tell you about it. And I already told you that you can read a transcript in this book called Speaking Being and therefore get at the same time exposure to what the course is and some of the Heideggerian dimension of it. But I just want to tell you this because some of you may, may think this is important. Um, one of the things that happened for me personally when I took the course, and when I tell you this again, I just, I invite you to think what it is in your life when you hear me talk about what I did, what it is in your life that you might see where you can take an action that would make a difference for you. Okay? In my case, I was not talking to some family members of mine. In fact, if you'd asked me whether, if you'd asked me about my relationship with them, they were pretty much dead to me. I hadn't talked to them in a long time. I wasn't planning on talking to them. I didn't think that they cared about me. And increasingly, I didn't feel like I cared about them. So that was one thing that was going on. I wasn't in university. So I started at the University of Winnipeg. I studied for two years. Then I stopped. So I interrupted my program. And I was thinking about going back but applying to so many different schools, very indecisive, finding all kinds of excuses not to go somewhere, missing one deadline, another deadline, not having things in order. I was really not taking the action that would put me back in school to finish my degree. I didn't have a girlfriend or any relationships like that. I was living, if you know, in Vancouver's downtown east side, which is not a great part of town. So it was not a very good environment. I didn't really understand what was going on. I didn't like the fact that I was there. I didn't like how I ended up there, but I also didn't feel like I had a lot of direction or guidance on what to do next, where to go next, or how to make a difference in my life. So one of the main things that I discovered for myself is that in many cases, take the case of a relationship with a family member, I was waiting for the other person to take the action. So I was saying to myself, nobody ever calls me. Nobody cares enough to see how I'm doing. You see so feeling sorry for myself, basically. Nobody's doing the thing to me that I would like them to do to express the fact that they care. And what I recognized is that exactly the same thing was true of me. I was not calling any members of my family to see how they're doing. I wasn't taking any interest in their lives. I was showing no initiative. I was contributing nothing. And I wasn't reaching out. I was being a big crybaby. So once I recognized that, I turned it around. I started being the one who calls. How are you doing? What's going on? What's new? I picked up the phone. Instead of waiting for the phone to ring, I picked up the phone. Now, conceptually, that may seem minor, like, duh, obviously you should do that. But existentially, or for my life actually, it made all the difference in the world. I like to say that, I'm a little bit embarrassed because it's personal, but I'll tell you anyways. I didn't have a relationship with my dad at that point. And shortly thereafter, once I implemented this, once I was the one to reach out and start calling and talking and building the relationship, it turned around really quickly. And before too long, we went on a road trip. I swear to you, the kind of road trip that I literally thought only happened in feel-good movies. And here I was with my dad on such a road trip. A big, big difference from the way things were before. So I had someone there as my first mentor, I would say, in life. My first real mentor. And this woman who died from cancer shortly thereafter, she was instrumental, absolutely crucial in helping me turn my life around, I would say, or into a, into a good direction. And it was so simple. 
I told her that I, I'm between universities and I'm feeling really frustrated and all of this. And she said, look, go to, go to the university. You have questions, go to them, talk to them. Don't just be in your head about it. Go out there and go to them and talk to them about it. Let them know what your concerns are. Let them know what you're thinking. Let them know the questions. And you won't solve the problem in your head. You'll solve the problem in the world. Go out there into the, to the university and talk to them. And that made all the difference to me, believe it or not, because it's very easy, maybe more so for an introvert than not, I don't know, but I assume it's very easy for all of us to get stuck in our heads, quote unquote, and not to deal with the problem out in the world with other people, with uh, like where the difference actually gets made. So I did that. I went to the university. I had the conversations I needed to have, and I registered for the philosophy program at UBC to pick up where I left UBC's University of British Columbia to pick up where I left off in Winnipeg. And I'm so glad I did because I was able to finish my degree. I did what I absolutely love. There's nothing I love more than reading books and discussing them with people who find them interesting. Nothing. I mean, I love my family. I love playing with my kids. I love my wife. I love making music, but my, there's nothing I love more than reading books and discussing them with people. Okay. So I got to do that at the university and I was doing it anyways, but at the university, I got to do it for credit, got to earn my degree, I got some scholarships, and then I was able to apply to a master's program, to a PhD, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and to become a doctor, which I am now, a doctor of philosophy and political science. None of that would have happened if I didn't make the move to just go and talk to the people about what it is that was worrying me. So that was completely huge. At the same time, I mentioned I hated where I was living. It was total downer. It was really depressing and it didn't match my self-understanding. I didn't realize I'm a young guy. I don't do drugs. I'm pretty healthy. I don't think I'm bad. What am I doing in this circumstance? I just, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. So uh, there too, I was in my head, so to speak, instead of doing something about it. And this mentor, this mentor of mine um, encouraged me at the same time as she encouraged me to go to the university. She really made me see that I could change my living circumstances. So I moved on to campus. If any of you know, University of British Columbia, you're about two minutes away from beautiful beaches and forests. And it's just like a sort of, I don't want to overstate it, but from where I was to where I went, it was a huge, huge difference. And I, at first I didn't think, you know, I could afford it and no, I can't do that. Can't do this, can't do that. But you know, once you make the decision, once you resolve upon a certain path, then opportunities become available and the world reconfigures itself. Not, I, I don't want to say always, okay? I'm not, a, I'm not a preacher to you in the sense that nothing ever goes wrong or things always work out, but it's helpful to look at the world in a way that when you resolve upon a course of action, the resources to fulfill on that course of action become available to you. And that's what happened in my case, only because of the guidance of my, uh, my mentors there. So I, was, I want to strongly encourage you However you do it, find somebody in your life that you can talk to when you need a second perspective, a second opinion, when you can not see the road ahead so clearly, and they can just give you a nudge or a, not necessarily a push, but just point out some things that you can do to have your life get moving again, have the parts of your life get moving when it feels like they're stuck. You know, it's the games that you play with yourself that block you from doing things to get the results you want in your life. Again, I don't mean that to be categorical. You may be, there are real structural and material causes and all of that, but I'm saying to the extent to which we have control over our situations, sometimes we don't really know 
how how much does depend on us and on the way that we block on the way that our interpretations constrain our possibilities and what we see as our opportunities so all of that was all of that was great if you get a chance speaking being neat book the implementation of heideggerian philosophy into these big group courses on personal transformation it's just fascinating um again in my experience my experience was a positive one both theoretically seeing the connection between these two the program and the and heidegger's thinking and experientially like the relationship with my dad going back to university where i ended up living it's just cool so i thought i'd talk to you about it a bit the other reason the other reason i thought i'd bring it up is because i did a tweet not too long ago i was going to write i'm not very good at making money and i wasn't feeling like i was i wasn't thinking i'm particularly good at it so i made this post that you know first tweet that came to my mind in that moment i'm not i wish i was better at making money then i thought you know what why don't instead of saying i wish i'm better at make i wish i was better at making money why don't i say something that could be genuinely useful to the people who are reading this and not just me complaining about what i wish i could do or lamenting what i can't do so i wrote the post as some advice for young men some of the advice that i would like to have given myself some of the advice that i did receive from other people and it was pretty simple it was like study philosophy exercise or lift weights learn to make money it's important in life you should learn to make money and dress well also important i don't know sorry if it's not living up to it in this particular video but like iron your shirt if you're going out to meet with somebody dress appropriately for the occasion basic things like that that i think are respectful and go a long way in life be polite i also said find a mentor because of the importance that mentors have had in my own life and the sooner you can have someone like that in your own life pro probably the better maybe not i don't know i'm gonna go ahead and say it's not a bad thing to do this study philosophy exercise have a mentor be polite dress well and that post um for me blew up it got over 600 likes now which is not com not common for most of my posts bad heidegger jokes and uh subtle mystical illusions they don't usually get the same traction so it seems to me that at least some of the people who watch this channel or just those of you who are out browsing uh this could be advice that you're looking for that you want and that would make a real difference in, in your lives so wherever you something else this is this is great when i lived in winnipeg i worked as a security person so i didn't have to do any like i didn't walk around with a weapon i never had to deal with any problems i really just sat at the front desk and i checked people in and out i looked at the um you know the cameras if anything was going on nothing ever was i really checked people in and out and just watched movies listened to music and read books great job well in one of the buildings there was this character the guy was really something special and in your life too you're going to meet characters and it's super important that you take that you take note of them because these people are you think about you think about it how you want for me they're really sent from god and this guy his name was garfield and he had these purple tinted shades he was an artist he was a he was a gift of god to me personally i think the guy was the guy was really out there but the greatest moment was where i was talking to him and he was a smart guy you know he he knew all kinds of stuff he told me he was a real character okay and i told him i was really bummed out on this particular day and i told him you know i've just wasted so much time like i feel like i'm so far behind everybody's ahead some people are in law school and they're doing whatever they're doing and i don't know they're getting ahead in life and i just feel like i wasted so much time and he said don't waste any more time now it's so obvious okay it's so obvious and it's so exactly to the point right 
But sometimes it takes somebody to tell you what's obvious and to the point for it to click in your head. So Garfield said, don't waste any more time. And that clicked in my head. And that's why I think that uh, in my list, I said at the bottom, start now. It doesn't matter. It's not too late, whether you're 15 or 18 or 25 or 65. I know Charles Bukowski has this poem that um, there's nothing worse than too late. Well, the good news for you is that it's not too late. The things that matter to you, the things that you care about, you can start now. Okay? That's the best that you can do is don't waste any more time. Start now. So I don't want to be, a, some people posted these kind of, you know, I'm, my, Michael Millerman is going into guru mode. I'm not going into guru mode. I'm just sharing with you things that made a difference to me in my life and that I think might, based on how many times that post was liked and retweeted, obviously some people are interested in this, uh, in this information and need to hear it. So thanks for your patience. Thanks for listening to me. I hope you found this interesting. Michael Millerman dossier. You can see all of the things that I'm doing. And until next time, goodbye. All the best.